What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Roll for Persuasion, your weekly D&D, nerdy, tabletop, whatever podcast where I chat with awesome creative people in the tabletop gaming community about the awesome creative things that they are doing. We have one of those awesome people with us today. We will get to him in just a moment. But first, I want to give a big shout out to brand new sponsor to the show, a company that I'm a big fan of that I've been using for a long, long time. I want to welcome Hero Forge to the show. If you play D&D on your tabletop, there's a good chance you're familiar with Hero Forge. If you're not, you're in for a treat. Hero Forge lets you make completely custom miniatures for your tabletop games. I mean, we are talking a ridiculous number of different species and characters, classes, the kind of weapons you can add on, the different, um, they just added a piercing system. So if you want to put piercings on your character, you can do that. Their coloring system is in beta. You will actually be able to print your miniatures in color. I backed their Kickstarter. I've got some of them coming. I'll show them off on a stream sometime. Um, They are super cool, but they are constantly adding awesome new products that you can bring to your tabletop game to really customize it and make it your own. I highly recommend that you check them out at heroforge.com. The link is in the show notes as well. And a big thank you to them for helping make this show happen. Well, let's not put it off any longer. I'm very excited to talk to my awesome guest today, Nate Taylor of Dwarven Forge. What is going on, man? Woo! Hey, I'm uh, I'm super excited to be here is what's going on. Dude, I'm super, super excited to have you. I like. I want to talk to this awesome person here. <laughs> Tell me about. <laughs> He'll be He's on doing in a cool bit. stuff. Uh, you're gonna have to go, but when he comes, Ooh. you can watch. How's that? Cool. I'll, I'll keep his seat warm. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. So you you are. Yeah. Chief, let me make sure I get your title right. You are chief creative officer at Dwarven Forge. Is that correct? Overlord of art. That's significantly uh, yeah. better. That is a far better title. Yes, I have the uh, I have the distinct honor of um, running our creative team. Here. I get to figure out what we're going to make and um, sort of wrangle all these artists in all these different disciplines to try and make it and present it to the world. Uh, and it's like, it's the coolest thing in the world. I, we, I basically just collaborate with endless numbers of super talented artists who are yeah. also geeky gamers and just try and make the coolest stuff possible and do this as a, like for a full time for a living. It's like, it doesn't even make sense on paper. Like there's, you know, there's like nobody has this job. This is yeah. crazy. We we get to make cool toys <laughs> for D and D, and people get really excited about it. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. It, it's it's the dream job, I think, for many people who are creative and love this particular genre and world. Um, to yeah. get to live in that full time, make a living from it, and do it with other people who are just as passionate and excited. I mean, does it get better than that? That's the, that's the real fun, right? It's like, you know, not that it would be, it would be fine doing it alone, you know, sitting in my basement doing a little bit, but it's being, being, having a, having a team to do it with. It's a DNA right. adventure, right? You have an adventuring party. It's like a solo adventure it's like whatever, but like, you know, you want the, all the Avengers to assemble. Exactly. And it's like, especially when you run into problems and challenges, like you need the, you know. You need everybody on the A team to put their heads together and be like, all right, how do we crack this? Right. And and solve it together. So for people who don't know, and I assume most people do, but uh, give me Dwarven Forge in a nutshell. Uh, I don't have any modular nutshells, but oh, here we go. I'm like, there's gotta be pieces. I've got all these pieces that are just out of reach. Right. Uh, So we make, we make uh, miniature gaming terrain. Uh, We make it modular and as full of features as possible. Uh, the idea is we we want to make storytelling tools 
to enhance your game, make your game more immersive. Um, basically, grown-up Legos. Not that right. Legos, you can't use them as a grown-up because I still do that too. But, you know, like, they're uh, the best, the coolest, coolest modular D&D pieces you could ever dream of. Or Pathfinder or any game, you know, they're yeah. useful for anything. And our, our big thing is uh, hand-sculpted. Right. We, uh, all this stuff is, all this stuff is sculpted by hand and we sell it hand painted. Um, and it's modular so you can take stuff apart and build different things. Take the back off. Yeah. This, yeah. So for, the, we, for those of you watching on the stream, if you happen to watch the, uh, the role for charity stream that I did, uh, about a month ago, our DM Joe had, um, just a table full of Dwarven Forge, which just, I mean, theater of the mind is cool but when you're playing on a stream and and you have like a camera set up showing these angles and, uh, and you yes. feel like you're in the space like it's great it's so cool well it's you know there's two like i love theater of the mind right there's there's something endlessly freeing and there's mm -hmm. you can do anything and if you can you know there's no limits to what you can do when you're doing theater of the mind um and it's also sometimes it's even more epic and it's or whatever and I do that a bunch too, but there's definitely something to be said about actually building out the scene yeah, yeah. and, you know, and, and it, particularly if you're, you know, if you're playing with distracted players or you're playing with, uh, younger players, like I, I run a game with my son who's eight and my niece and nephew who are nine and 10 and my brother who's just, what, he's 42, 41. How old's my brother? I don't know. But a, but a kid but at heart, right? We're all kids at heart. Yeah. I'm 14 at heart stuck. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it really helps focus people in yeah, on like there's yeah. a thing to stare at um and it gives you it's really fun. i don't know there's a lot it's a narrative tool and it it suddenly can bring out i people play differently when you put terrain out on the table mm -hmm. uh there's definitely i don't know there i the combat gets more dynamic and people are interacting with the things there are starting to think of their tactics differently yeah you start yeah. thinking about the z-axis right you're like well if i could get up there i could do this thing and the monk player always gets more excited when you have when you have stuff on I've the got table. Three thousand feet of movement. Where all will I go with it? Yeah, right. And they're going yeah. vertical and they're doing things and whatever. So yeah, so we basically try and make the the coolest, uh, most premium uh, little tiny pieces you can put on your table to build a miniature world. Because sure. like every dungeon master knows, like world building is is fun and addictive and endless. Um, so it's also fun to physically start building out this world and, um, and having all the toys. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it really comes yeah. down to is just having all the fun toys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did Dwarven Forge start? What was kind of the, like when, how long have y'all been doing this? What was the idea behind it? You know, all those pieces that came together to make what you are. 20, what year is it? 20. <laughs> I don't know, 23 years, 96, what are we, 24 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Stefan Picorni and a mysterious man known only as Jay uh, uh, forged Dwarven Forge. So Stefan was a, was a sculptor and a gamer and uh, art student and grew up playing D&D like many of us and wanted to, had all these miniatures, but wanted to have them in a, have them have context right have them in a thing right. it's like i have these miniatures but i have to put them on like a dry erase mat this is like stupid so he uh he was sculpting he was painting uh cottages uh he was looking for work he'd finished graduate school and like they saw an ad of like hey we need painters to paint little miniature things so it was like little lighthouses and cottages like collectible right, like hummel right. figurine type things 
so we got a job painting these things. And uh, one of the guys there was this guy, Jay. And he was like, I don't know how they're talking about it. He pitched him on the He's like, you know, if you could make these, like, I could make dungeons and we could paint them and send them out, whatever. And he's like, for whatever reason, he talked Jay into it and yeah. uh, made, a, made a batch of, of dungeons and brought them to Gen Con and sold them out in, you know, in the first three hours of Gen Con sold out there's a hundred sets and they were all gone and then had three days to just hang out and play because there was nothing left and off they right. went we uh, we made a movie about it called you see up here the dwarven Ot. okay uh which is on netflix and amazon and whatever so you can see a documentary about the stefano story um and so he uh so is, is stefan uh powered through for i don't know for 20 something years until uh Kickstarter started blowing up and yeah. Reaper did a, uh, did a Kickstarter, the first Reaper bones. And it was like, you know, it was outrageous, right? It was, I don't know what was that first Reaper bones with several million bucks and 25,000 people. And it was like, it was crazy. And it was suddenly, it was eye opening. And he's like, man, this is, uh, he's like, maybe we could find a way to do this, uh, you know, for our stuff and uh launched a, a kickstarter which was wildly successful it was like two million bucks or something and um that's when i realized i'd seen i'd seen dwarven forge and dragon magazine and stuff but i didn't like i never it never was successful it was always too expensive for me and throughout the world but then I, I saw the kickstarter and i was like wait a second he's in this guy's in brooklyn he's like he's my neighbor yeah like yeah. how do i uh you know so i uh so i sent him an email and I said, "Hey, you're, uh, I love your stuff, and um, I love your Kickstarter and other things, but your um, your video materials are not very good. I uh, I make I make films and I, I make TV commercials, and uh, I think you could uh, step up your game." And uh, sort of all downhill from there, because <laughs> I yeah I was able to quit my job uh, a couple of years ago and come here full time and. Yeah. Uh, take the reins is uh stefan moved to seattle and uh i run the uh run the team here in the studio and uh we make cool things and i have a now a tradition an annual tradition of doing one big kickstarter yeah. every year was there was a, there a moment it's a crazy it's a crazy business model we can talk about it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole different thing um was there a moment you know outside of obviously like the big kickstarter blowing up where it was just like, oh, damn, like we, we've made it like we're or maybe not made it, but like like we leveled up or something. Or is it just kind of felt like a slow, no, I, you know, grow? I always feel like we're never going to make it. <laughs> we're um, well, it is, you know, part of the part of the the problem with having, you know, we're, we're basically very we're kicks. We're Kickstarter addicted. We're kind of mm -hmm. like in order to produce large amounts of new molds and new product lines or whatever we really need to do it on kickstarter so we kind of our whole like you never can really rest and be like all right we did it we can just sort of settle down because it's always like the race of like well we need to right. you know about a year right. from now we need to do this again and have another hit and have another you know run another multi-million dollar kickstarter and keep keep doing the thing so it's so yeah i, I feel like I, I don't know you never feel like it's over or that you got to the top of the mountain yeah um for for good or for ill um, although you do you do realize when you go to conventions which now of course is not a reality because sure. it's the apocalypse for the time being, yeah yeah the zombie right. apocalypse you know we all gotta 
stay home. What? Except there's a very disappointing lack of zombies. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it's like we, we got the worst kind of apocalypse. Like this is like the boring. Like where where's the Mad Max vehicles? And right, like, we right. Got, like, yeah, we have. Uh, we just got like yeah, not like the, the, masks and hand sanitizer. We we didn't get a. Uh, we didn't get war uh, machines and flamethrowers. Yeah, on the on the random table of of uh, apocalypses, <laughs> right. we got we rolled like a one on right. a, a d hundred. I'm like, come on. It's like, but uh, uh, what was that? I just oh, you're saying at conventions was like uh, oh yeah, that was yeah, yeah. you sort of realize at conventions you go and people everybody's like oh you guys are Dwarven Forge always oh, and I'm like oh I guess people actually know who we are like this is like no it's like it's if there's no perspective when we're here just working in the studio yeah or, you know just a bunch of artists sort of critiquing our own work a lot and you don't ever uh, I don't know. There's no perspective outside perspective, so it's nice yeah. to to go to conventions so you see like oh okay, people get really excited and seeing seeing people's faces like who've never seen before and they they're walking by with and they stop and they do that like what yeah. Yeah. is this and is really uh, is really fun. So but what I, is? I, oh sorry, go ahead. I was it. I so if, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't think it's ever like I don't know. I think we'll we're always just going to be striving to do something newer and bigger and cooler and. Um, different and growing and expanding and right whatnot so like i don't know i don't think of, i don't know I, I i haven't gotten to a place yet where i was like okay i did it i can just like stop coast yeah relax that's, that's a good mindset to have though right that kind of always needing to uh level up or pursue the next thing and especially like in an industry that is growing across the board so kind of being like okay what what is the next thing we can do how can we make this more than just miniatures how can we add fog we'll talk about that in a minute like you know yeah. cool stuff like that it's it's hard like i don't there's no i don't have an off button for it so it is a little yeah. hard like it's great to always be striving for innovation and creative ideas and do things and whatever but at the same time it's also just i don't know there's that it's that demon on like that just is like you got to keep you got to keep going you got to keep going you got to keep going or yeah. maybe it's an angel maybe it's a i don't know maybe my familiar is driving me right <laughs> But it is so, relentless. So what, is, what is that kind of process like then um, creatively as far as like coming up with the the next terrain thing? Because you guys kind of do it, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of do it thematically, right? So you've had like yep. forests and, and what, all, what all have you done yep. already? And then what is so, kind of the process to like come up with the next thing? Yeah, these are great questions. Well, thank so you. So we, we've done sort of in order of Kickstarters. I'm not going to count all the resin stuff because there's a whole bunch of resin stuff before that. But in terms of the Kickstarters, which are sort of our mass are more mass market, mass market. I mean, we've got 10,000 people or something, but um, we've done dungeons, we've done caverns, uh, we've done cities, we've done castles, and uh, cities include sewers and streets, yeah. Tudor buildings, stone buildings, castles, mountains, uh, more dungeons, burrows, uh, more caverns, crystal caverns, ice caverns, underdoom caverns, hellscape, forest, uh, and now swamp. Uh, so we've covered a we've covered a pretty broad swath of environments. Most of the sort of the common, the common places you would find mm -hmm. adventure. I mean, there's still there's still tons that we haven't tapped, and this is just in fantasy. We haven't gone we haven't gone sci-fi or. Right. apocalyptic <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of miniatures wearing masks and right. sanitizer <laughs> standing in line six feet apart to get into costco yeah <laughs> yeah i don't right. know how that would sell 
Um, but the, uh, so the, generally the process is uh, we will, we sit down as a team and say, hey, what are, you know, where do we want to go next? It's kind yeah. of like the adventuring party, right? We've, you finished that first, that campaign arc and you go to the tavern and you're all there and you're like, okay, like, you know, what are we going to do next? We could raid that red dragon lair. You know, there's that necromancer up on the hill. There's, you know, what are we going to, we could storm the nine hells themselves. What are we right, right. do? Um, so we kind of figure out what the, what kind of zone or theme or, you know, what, where do we want to wander? And then with that, then it, that it goes into, and part of that is, part of that is creatively. It's like, hey, is there, you know, is there something interesting to do there? It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to the desert, and then it's like, well, is there, you know, can we do something? Is sand interesting? Is there, you know, can we make sand interesting? Is there, right, whatever, or, you know, is well, if it's desert, maybe it's got pyramids, or maybe it's got ruins, or maybe it's got this, or you know, desert doesn't work. So part of it is creative. It's like, is there, is there stuff there that's interesting to mine? And then the other part of it is like, is commercial. Is it like, would people buy that? Sure. Right, so the question we ask all the time is, how many D&D adventures have you done that required X, Y, Z? When people yeah. are like, yeah, make a, make a giant two-foot wide uh, world tree that goes up 10 feet in the air. And th- they're like, okay, we could, we could make that, and it would cost you $10,000. But <laughs> how many adventures have you had that required this giant tree? Right. 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 Maybe you maybe had one, just whatever. But it's like, so a lot of that is like, hey, have we, you know, is this something that people would use regularly? Um, because it's no fun to make the stuff and then not have it out on people's table. Like the thrill yeah. for us is yeah. when you, we go to social media and there's Search for and Forge and there's all these pictures of these crazy builds people are doing. And someone's doing it with their kids and someone's doing it with their college reunion group. They get together yeah. and they go in the woods and they do all this stuff and someone's doing it with their wife and someone's doing it with all their friends and someone just, just in college is doing it with their buddies or, you know, it's all these really cool creative builds that are out there that people are doing and they're sitting down and having these awesome stories and creating, creating memories together yeah. at the table or stuff. So it's like, Oh, are, are we going to do something that will, will do that? Like, is it, you know, is it a thing that people are going to put on their table yeah. regularly and going to pull out and use? Um, so if we can, if we can answer both of those questions is a yes, then it's like, okay, we've got our, you know, we've got our thing. We're, we're doing the, uh, you know, the sanitizer apocalypse. So then we're like, okay. So then we, then we, then there's some big brainstorm sessions of like, okay, so in the sanitizer apocalypse, like what are the, you know, what are the sort of encounters that you have? What are the sort of features that you have? What are the, what are the creatures that are there? What are the noteworthy plot events? What are the things that you sort of drill down? Like what are all the things that happen? And then you're like, then, and then you, and then we will make these like big long lists and we do these like fun voting sessions where it's like, okay, everybody pick like, what are the three coolest things from here? And the, you, everybody's like picking their favorite cool things, which is, mm-hmm. which is always, and then you go, okay, now what are the three most sellable things from here? And yeah. then everybody goes back and votes on sellable. And then you like look at the two and you're like, oh man, the, like, you know, the thing that everybody really wants to do is like the least sellable or the thing. Not marketable. Yeah. Yeah, but then you, you, you don't do all of it. So some of it, you're like, okay, well, let's do a, you know, we got to do a bunch of the sellable stuff because we need it. But then maybe we'll do that, the the crazy unicorn graveyard just because we really want to do it and we'll put that in or, you Make know, that whatever. Make that stretch goal or whatever, yeah. Yeah, you, you have to put some of the some of the spice in there uh, just to keep things lively. Um, so then once we have, like, kind of the, the you know, the, the general areas, um that's what I usually, I go into the, the workbench and start 
but do a, a whole bunch of rough sketches and then start doing foam mock-ups like I hold on I'll get one yeah, yeah go grab this is a show and tell podcast apologies to uh people listening right now the vod will be available so if you want to see some of the cool stuff he's about to show uh you're gonna have to go find it links are on my twitter so twitter like, at roll persuasion I'll, I'll i'll carve stuff out of uh out of foam mm-hmm. to figure out the uh figure out the geometry is this like a thing that works how does it line up with the other pieces or whatever right and then that eventually gets up so this is like the uh this goes from from foam to uh to magic was, yeah which well it's because it's a it's sometimes we can do you know how you do this in two hours this takes two weeks right you know plus plus casting plus painting plus whatever sure. so it's like you know you better find out make sure it works in foam first before you commit to the whole thing so i kind of mess around with um with a bunch of stuff and then go back to the team and say okay here's like you know for for our for our uh, hand sanitizer apocalypse here we got like you know here's some modular face masks here's so here's how we build a costco here's how we you know here's how we keep the miniatures six feet apart here's a bunch yeah. of stuff and then like throw out a bunch of stuff on foam and then we pick it apart as a group and people say well there's too many pieces to that because that's the other thing you're always working against piece count right it costs yeah, us for sure i don't know three five ten fifty thousand dollars for a mold depending on how big the thing is like we've made stuff that's cost fifty thousand dollars for the mold and then you wow. gotta run it over so you got to think about like you don't and we have a skew limit like we can't just make a thousand pieces like we, yeah, we yeah. generally want to make 150 pieces whatever. so then it's that thing of like how many pieces does it take to do it is it cool is it whatever is there a better way to do it and kind of deconstruct all the stuff until we've kind of have a collection of core pieces and then send those into into sculpting and then start messing with the next batch of stuff i'm like okay we've got you know if we have those basic pieces how are we going to spruce it up and whatever and then just sort of keep doing that and then once they get pieces back and start building with it you're like you know what we really need is this needs there's an, needs another piece for functionality or needs some sort of focal points or it needs you know we don't have any any macguffins there's nothing to interact with for the yeah, players for sure. or there's no you know we need some sort of treasure or some sort of light source or some sort of whatever and you just sort of keep refining and keep adding stuff to the mix and and continually collaborating with the group and sometimes it'll be like you know what i'm like i just need a dangerous living thing like okay like nina what's a cool dangerous living thing you know it needs to kind of be this big and sort of have some color like what do you Mm -hmm. and she'll draw a bunch of sketches and be like how about this or we go we have some concept artists that we work with and the same thing it's like we want to you know i want to make a a wyvern we just we have a wyvern in Caverns in uh, in Wildlands right now. This scout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was, we got to work with Crystal Sully. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you should have her on your show. She's an unbelievable artist. Just send her an email and tell her to join. Yeah, I will uh, do that. Sure. But that's the same thing. Like sitting, yeah. you know, doing six iterations with her, and like, what does the wyvern stinger look like? And right. what is you know, this one has got six eyes, three on each yeah. side, because it's a nocturnal hunter, so it needs to see better. Right. How does and it make two sense sets of in, fangs the, and, in all the stuff that you've already built and thought of, yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, so just all these fun iterations where you just keep going through, like, how do we make it more interesting? How do we tie it to whatever? How do we connect it and um, just keep iteratively building and building? And it sort of layers, it layers in, like you get a bunch of pieces in, then you kind of add some, some more interesting, complicated layers, then you put some stuff and you're like, and we have this theme in Wildlands. Hold on a sec. Oh, I've got them right here. Aha. 
we've got we've got this stuff Wyverstone, which is uh, is kind of like obsidian, but it's yeah, magic. Yeah, dragon glass um, looking stuff. Yeah, exactly right. So it it uh, we're we're trying to figure out how to have the mountains have personality because we've done mm -hmm. a ton of plain rocks when we need stuff jagged, but we also have yeah. like floating rocks. You have drift stones, so we're like, oh wait, maybe this year the drift stones are also have wyverstone. So now this become a a floating nice. rock wherever. And then this wyverstone pops up on another thing we're doing. A you know there's a arcane uh, you know there's a planar pylon that's a magic gun. I'm like, well, what if it's chain? You know, it's got wyverstone in there that's fueling it, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then so these. This visual vocabulary, you start developing this visual vocabulary, and as you're making more pieces, some of that stuff gets woven into the next bits yeah. and yeah. whatnot through. And, Did, yeah. How much are you guys impacted by, if at all, by like published adventures, right? Or if you know, okay, you know, like uh, um, Rhyme of the Frost Maidens coming out, we should probably do something along with that. Do you, does that, do you take that into account at all? No, because uh, it takes us, we're, it takes us about two years to get something out right yeah. so we did yeah we did a we did a tie-in with pathfinder 2 uh which launched last august and we started mm -hmm. that the previous november and those pieces are shipping in like next month so that was and we had that was about two years and we were you know yeah. so we're we're a year behind launch and we had in, inside we knew about it seven months before it launched right. and we started the thing and whatever. so we're a year late so we did a cool thing for their intro module but now it's arriving like a year after the fact um and we don't have we were we were trying to do it with wizards and uh they i don't know if i'm allowed i guess i can say it was so we got basically we got bumped by whiz kids uh because they have a they have a bunch of contracts with WizKids, yeah. whatever. And at the same time that we were talking to Wizards about maybe doing some licensed, licensed terrain, so we could say, hey, before, you know, how about 18 months before you start writing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, you let us know and we can start getting some stuff together. So then we yeah. got some cool packs yeah. by the time you launch it, whatever. And uh, they ended up, they went dark and went out and then it was, a couple months later, WizKids announced that they were making Warlock. Um, they're they're doing their uh, their three D terrain line. Yeah. So it was like, well, they locked that one in. Warlocked <laughs> that one in. Right. Whatever. Right. Um, so we don't. Uh, so we don't try and the timelines uh, just don't like line up. Like. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's you know sometimes there's a, a a happy accident like we did Hellscape. Was that last year? I don't know. Blue I think it was last. Yeah. Yeah, um, sounds right. And uh, it was at the same time that uh, uh, Descent into Avernus right. uh, came out. So we did a really neat build using the prototypes for D&D &D Live last year. Um, and it, that one was like just so happened that we were like it was it was crazy timing that we happened to have it. We barely had it ready yeah, because we were racing to get ready for a Kickstarter. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's probably rare that it, it lines up uh, like that. And really, it's also, it doesn't, be, like we said, we want, to stop, we want stuff that people can use all the time. So if we're mm -hmm. making, like, wildly specific stuff for specific modules, right, right. it's probably not as, I don't know, probably not as useful as stuff that people use, you know, every, every session or most sessions. 
Do you have, as you guys kind of advance, and, and we'll talk in just a few minutes about Wildlands specifically, but as Woo. you kind of come up with new ideas, do you ever have thoughts of like, man, it'd be great to go back to, you know, X set of terrain we did however many years ago and kind oh, yeah, of give it a polish up? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're constantly th- thinking of how, well, we love to have stuff be compatible with other things that we did. Right. And so you're like, well, oh, this thing, if we make this thing, it could really work with that other thing we did. Or like this, you know, this Hellscape drawbridge mm-hmm. that we made, Hellgate, was, we decided to be compatible with our castles from two years previous. Yeah, yeah. So people could swap this drawbridge for the other one. In fact, this drawbridge was this, Eli had sculpted this two years previously for our castles, but we ran out of, uh, we ran out of space in that Kickstarter, so it was on hold, and then we ended up putting it in here. And yeah. Whatever. So we're we're constantly looking at like, hey, is there stuff that we can do that can piggyback on the other things that we've done, right. or right. could we go back and do it again, or you know, add is there is there new stuff we could add to that environment that would make it cooler? And yeah, um, yeah we're we're constantly looking at because we also want we want to encourage people if you buy in. We want we want to keep supporting the people that have bought in. So if you bought that you know that cool cottage from city, you want we want to give you new things that work with the thing that you got. Yeah, of you course. Can, if you have an yeah. LED socket, modular LED socket, we want to give you new things that you can swap in there, magnetic accessories, all this stuff, so that we can keep we reward the people that bought in by giving them more options, and they already have a thing that works with it, and it's super mm-hmm. exciting. I obviously. Uh... You know, Matthew Mercer and Critical Role are a big example of somebody who uses a lot of your stuff. Um, do you guys have a sense, you know, from stuff you see on social media or streams of, of who out there has the biggest Dwarven Forge collection, like outside of your office? Uh, yes, we have. Well, we, we know we know based on um, on how much stuff people have bought. So oh, there's sure, definitely yeah. some people. Uh, I wonder if I can even say their names. Or not, but we have some. We have some folks that have spent staggering amounts of money <laughs> on, like, stag- like they could have bought a house right. with the amount of money they've spent on uh, Dwarven Forge and have like absolutely epic. Like, they're just building like unbelievable, uh, you know, setups, like just yeah. you know, yeah. next level uh, stuff. And then we know we know those people by name. Um, and some of them are private about it. And some, sure. You know, there's, uh, strangely enough, a lot of them are kind of private about it. Um, but the people that tend to, that are more, you know, are more super active on social media mm-hmm. have, tend to have big collections, but not like these, you know, they don't have the $200,000 collections like some right. of these people. Are. There's like, right. yeah, it's some insane, like, yeah, yeah. Just, That's crazy. Yeah, there's well, some that, really, there's some pretty inspiring things that people have built that are just like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you like search like, the hashtags on like Instagram, some of the stuff, like you're talking like multiple levels laid out on like 20 foot yeah. long tables, like it, it's insane. It's, it's, it's next level insane and it's yeah. awesome. It's, yeah. yeah. And like they are planning, like, yeah, there's some really uh, pretty awesome. But it's also, you know, it's, it, it doesn't, you don't have to have, and I think that's one of the problems with our stuff is, People remember these epic setups that are 12 feet long and whatever and don't remember. There's, there's plenty of people make these really, you know, take 12 pieces and make a really cool little yeah. thing and are doing it like there's, you know, the vast majority of setups aren't like that. But a lot of people are like, well, if I don't, 
you know, if I can't spend $10,000 on it, it's not worth my time because I, you know, I won't have enough to do something cool. It's not yeah. the case. Like you can do something yeah. awesome with like, oh. well, it's like, it's like what you said. It's, it's whatever helps you like ground your players yes. and your game into the moment. And, and like yep. I mentioned the stream that, that we did, um, you know, it was a simple dungeon. Uh, but it just kind of, it was, it was the fact that you could say, Hey, I want to peek around that corner. I want yep. to jump up on that rock. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, literally giant world building. It's whatever brings you into the moment. Well, and you know, it can, you can literally just build one little room and use, now you know where, where you are in relation to everybody else. Right. How much distance right. is there anything in the blocking line of sight? Is there something interesting in this room that I could use to change this encounter is there whatever we have um shad ross who's super uh super active on social media and does this really cool he's doing cool dwarven forge month builds every week every month he he builds every encounter even non-combat encounters like i usually mm -hmm. only build the combat encounters because he's got time to build all this stuff he builds out every encounter in yeah. dwarven forge so he also yeah. it a it keeps his players on their toes because they don't know Combat could break out at any time, right, right. but he said it's like he said there's nothing better than you have the whole thing out there, and he's like, where do yeah. you, you know? It's kind of a sandbox. He's like, hey, where do you want to go? He builds the town. He's like, where do you want to go in the town? And you have all these things, and he's got something built for all the areas, and they can kind of, you know, the players can wander and go into wherever they want, and it's it's already ready to go, and it's immersive. And then if combat does break out, he's ready to go. Got everything right there. Why yeah. not? Yeah. yeah. So different, you know, different styles of play for different people. Hundred percent. No. Well, let's talk about Wildlands in just a second. But yeah. first, I want to give a shout out to another one of the awesome supporters for this show, Talon and Claw. They make beautiful hardwood uh, gaming accessories for your different games. If you want cool dice vaults, um, DM screens that just look freaking amazing. Awesome DM screens. They've got rolling trays coming out, just all the cool stuff you could want. You can go to talonandclaw.etsy.com. They support the show. You can use that code rolled persuasion there and save 10% on your order. Um, but we love them. We love supporting small businesses and we appreciate them supporting us as well. So if you need something cool to hold your dice from awesomedice.com and you can go to talentandclaw.etsy.com and check them out. We'll drop a link in chat right now. But they're super cool people. Um, I talk about all the time. They did a Kickstarter over the summer for Whiskey Barrel Dice Vaults. They've been sending me pictures of, of uh, what these vaults made out of, of Whiskey Barrel lids look like and they're super cool. So they're always making cool stuff and we're very glad to have their support on the show. Isn't it amazing how many, like this era of gaming we're in where there's all of these unbelievably creative, cool people yeah. making things everywhere and there's enough yeah. of a community to support it. You can have an Etsy shop making exactly. just some weird niche thing. You can launch a Kickstarter for your crazy idea and people will show up and back it. You can go get a booth at a convention and do your thing. And like it's yeah. uh, everywhere I turn, there's people doing really interesting, innovative, clever things in the gaming space and the the community just keeps can't get enough of it supporting it that was like, that was like the initial like impetus for me starting the show was was when i i'd been playing DD for a little bit but i kind of got onto DD twitter and I, I knew i wanted to interview people but i didn't really know what about but i saw so many people um you know woodworking leather crafting yeah. traditional art terrain building uh coffee beer like so like whatever blowings. you were into yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah shirts just, you know, Pouches, take whatever you do and make it D and D or make it wings. You know, like every, like, yeah, no, there's yeah. no end to it's, it's, and people are still coming up with cool ideas yeah. and things are like, Oh, I could make dice out of this or I could do that. Like it's just, and there's going to be more and more and you can't even, yeah. you can't even yeah. get ahead of all of it. Well, 
speaking of cool things that keep evolving and popping up in the world, Woo. let's talk about Wildlands. Do you, I'm, I'm shut up. You just tell me, tell me about it because I've looked at it online. Yes. Kickstarter's doing great. Um, just gorgeous Ooh. stuff. Tell me, me all about it. Let me pull a little build over here that Toby just built yesterday. Hold on. Oh, I didn't think this out. I didn't put my headphones on. Ugh. No, you're good. If you need to leave the headphones off, we will we will sacrifice. Podcast I should have just flipped the uh, flip the table around and fill on camera. Uh, so Wildlands is our uh, eighth Kickstarter, and it's for wilderness terrain. Here's like a little uh, little scene that Toby built for our stream last night. Um, we're focusing on three biomes. So we have uh, the forest, we have the mountain, and we have the swamp. Um, each is standalone, but also each works with each other. Um, and they, it, it gets really exciting when you start layering it all together, when you have yeah. cool mountain elevation in the heart of the wetlands with all these forest trees and whatever. Um, and everything is modular. Everything is made of dwarvenite, so it's nearly indestructible, um, and uh, everything's hand sculpted. Well, the extent, we have a couple of pieces that were were not hand sculpted. Very like out of 150 pieces, we have three I think that were not hand sculpted, or five. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's our it's 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 unique for us in a couple of ways. So one, um, we. It's our first campaign that is very scatter heavy. So okay. when you're in when you're in dungeons or cities or in caverns, sort of everything is you've sculpted floors, sculpted corners, sculpted mm -hmm. walls and the like. And because wilderness encounters tend to be big, right? You're not you're not in a twenty by twenty room. You're yeah, for sure. outside you're two hundred feet away from the hobgoblins outside. Or whatever the bandit camp is, you know, is five hundred feet that way, or whatever. So all of your your base encounter at, at bare minimum, you want to be it probably wants to be two feet by two feet to have, especially if you got a monk or so, you know, or that right, barbarian. Yeah. Somebody who's going to use all that, dude. They they cover that ground in one turn. You're like that is a, um, so you you know the, because it needs to be big. We wanted, We built. We did a lot of scatter pieces so that people wouldn't have to buy uh, sculpted floors. Like doing covering right. a three foot by three foot area of sculpted floors is you know it's a thousand bucks like just for the floors without trees or anything or whatever. It's very it gets very expensive. So we we figured there's a lot of people that have battle mats or dry erase mats or already have some of our sculpted forest floors or mountain floors or whatever, um, or just didn't want it all together, or use the cool, the cardboard, like the Pathfinder mats yeah. or whatever. So we're like, well, let's, let's, have, let's offer a lot of scatter stuff so you can plus up your, your 2D base layer that you already have. Yeah. In addition, we offered new, I have, I gotta, I did not gather up. Oh wait, I've got a. No, you well, go. You go grab it. I'm gonna change your uh, your output on my OBS here because okay. it's looking pretty laggy. So this works. This works. We'll do a okay. little behind hold, the scenes. Hold tight. Let me get a couple yeah. of things. Let me some. Hey guys, so a quick heads up here. We were streaming this episode live on Twitch, and at this point, 
Nate actually offered to do a live build of the Dwarven Forge Wildlands set on stream, um, which was very awesome to watch, but doesn't exactly make for great podcast material. So if you want to go check that footage out, you can actually see the VOD on demand on my Twitch and on my YouTube, and I'll drop the links in the show notes as well. But I don't want to bore you with just kind of hearing us talk about things you can't see. So we'll go ahead and jump to the end of the interview. And as a special thank you for those of you who uh, continue listening and supporting the show, I'm going to include the uh, normally Patreon exclusive Zone of Truth segment at the end for you guys. So you can kind of hear a little bit more about Nate and the cool stuff he's doing. So normally that would just be for my Patreon backers only, but you guys are welcome to listen to and enjoy it on this episode. Thank you guys so much for bearing with me during this kind of new uh, territory we're discovering as far as streaming and recording for a podcast. It's all kind of new and we're figuring it out on the fly. So I appreciate you guys being patient and enjoy the rest of the show. Well, dude, uh, I, th- I think we'll go ahead and call it and we'll shift. Uh, you know what I'm going to do actually, if you guys want to stick around and chat, uh, I, w- I was planning to cut the stream and record this part separate just for the podcast. But for the people who are here, um, we're going to stick around and talk about LARPing. And if you don't catch it now, then uh, you'll have to support the Patreon and catch it on the podcast. But we'll stick around so people can go check out the Kickstarter. I've been dro- dropping the link in chat yeah. uh, incessantly. You can Google it. Go check it out. Support it if you want to. And um, you don't have to. You don't have to have the multi-million dollar build to make an awesome set for your game. But just pledge a pledge a dollar and and kind of just watch and hang out. And we yeah. have a very active comment section. We're streaming every single day on Twitch for this whole campaign. Which is maybe overly aggressive, but we're up. <laughs> it's been a it's been a lot, but we're so we're on every day, and we're on all over social media, so um, people can just sort of follow along and hang out. We have a really cool community of folks. We have a Discord mm-hmm. that's really busy. We have uh, it's busy, I guess, is the right term. Lively. Right? Uh, so it's a fun, it's a fun community. Come come and hang out, and uh, we've got cool starter sets for forty nine bucks unpainted. I think. <laughs> 75 painted something like that we got we got a lot, so, of, a lot of fun so, something for fun everyone stuff. yeah you can also just get some miniature packs like we have you can just buy the wyvern if you want and they're painted we sell the stuff yeah. painted. But you don't have to you can get it unpainted but we can sell it painted so you don't even need to uh you know it's uh, if you already have a giant pile of unpainted miniatures like i do you can get it uh painted save yourself some time and get it painted yeah well, cool, dude. Well, thanks again. And like I said, uh, stick around stream because we're going to go ahead and do the, the secret part live. You'll get to catch it. But um, I just want to say a big thank you to Nate for joining me and for building impromptu stuff. It's been super fun. And thank you to you guys for watching and joining and hanging out. Um, stick around. If you are a listener of the show, like I said, and if you support on Patreon, make sure you stick around after the outro music because we will be talking more about LARPing in our Zone of Truth segment brought to you by my friends at Smuggler's Coffee. Go to store.smugglerscoffee.com for some of the best coffee in the known universe. You should go check it out. They are awesome. I appreciate them. They support us, which is super cool. And we love... And if you want to... We love Smuggler's Coffee at Dwarven Forge. Everybody's a fan of Smuggler's. It gives you the caffeine you need. Um, Just nerdy, nerdy coffee. It's the nerdiest coffee ever. And it's like... 100%. Barely. I I had a a cup of plus one to charisma this morning, so... um, (laughs) You know, they give you what you need. It's working. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Roll Persuasion. Go to rollforpersuasion.com. Check out those shirts I've been releasing. They are super cool, I think, and incredibly comfortable. So make sure you check those out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, podchaser.com. Subscribe on the app of your choice. And until next time, guys, enjoy your games. 
yeah. But if you're on Twitch, we never left. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Zone of Truth, where I chat with my guests about kind of whatever they feel like. We'll probably take another 10 minutes, um, see if we can encapsulate all of LARPing into 10 minutes. Yeah. So let's dive right into it, man. You said that you were big into LARPing. Tell me, uh, I talked with someone recently. I was telling you Mark Humes in the UK. And the UK has this whole crazy LARP called Empire, um, which is insane. So I know a bit about what they do in Europe, but uh, what, what do you do here, man? Tell well, me about your LARPing life. Well, they're hardcore in Europe. They take it to a whole nother. They've got, there's there's a lot, there's more. It's bigger and, and involves mm-hmm. alcohol in Europe. But I don't know. Well, LARPing was this thing that I, you know, I always, I was playing d and I guess I started playing D&D at eight. Uh, one of my cousins had the, the basic set and then my other cousin went off to college and gave me all his AD&D books and I was playing. Mm-hmm just playing D and D incessantly. Cause it was like, it was, it yeah. was just amazing. And it was, you know, it was consistently role playing, uh, first, first tabletop. And then LARPing was, was the way that I found to fit in. You know, it was, I was always yeah. kind of the weirdo or the outsider or the, sure. You know, I hung out with the art, the art students and the, the theater kids and that kind of, you know, sort of fringe, but like, right. That role playing was the place where I really found my people. Like I was like, I could, you know, these are, this is somewhere I could be myself and I could excel and I could be accepted and I could whatever. Uh, and LARPing was a huge part of that. Cause I discovered at 14, there was an article in dragon magazine, um, about this LARP called Nero, which was the first big, uh, LARP in the U S. Uh, and I was like, this sounds amazing. It's like D and D with like live and beautiful. And, uh, we convinced one of our, one of my friends, his dad, wanted to go fishing. There was like some good fishing. It was like up mm-hmm. in Massachusetts in there in this campsite in the middle of nowhere. And there was like some good fishing holes nearby. So his dad was a big fisherman. He's like, Oh, perfect. It'll be a fishing weekend for me. I'll go drop you boys off. And whatever. So four of us went up all at age 14, went up, uh, and just got dropped off at this camp. Like with a whole, with, there was like 500 people in armor and weapons and monster masks and make, and it was just yeah. like, it was, I had fallen into wonderland. Like I just couldn't believe what was happening. Like, cause it, right. cause I, I played a bunch of D and D and you know, done a ton of tabletop, but there was, it was suddenly real, right? It's two in the morning and it's pitch dark and there's war trolls growling in the woods. And you're like, you're abs- literally terrified. Like you've right. literally, I've, I've been more scared at LARPing than I have anywhere else in my life. Like it is like, you know, it is really, uh, it was sort of visceral and real, whatever. And it just blew my mind. And it was the, mm-hmm. it was this awesome merging of create, you know, of role play and creativity and crafting, right? Because the things you needed for LARPing were strangely specific, like mm-hmm. leather armor that needed to be so thick or metal armor that needed right. to be this, or, you know, you just wanted, you wanted matching tabards for your team, whatever. So I got all these crafting skills. I you know, learned how to use a sewing machine and started working with leather and working with plastics and working with foam to make weapons and working all this stuff. So and and you'd be celebrated, right? You'd go there and there'd be this guy that had home, homemade prosthetics to, so he could become a cat creature. Yeah. Plucked literally, this guy Mike Marsili that I worked with had like the most lifelike whiskers, and he was a, a sar, a cat creature. He had this lifelike mm-hmm. whiskers, and I was like, these are unbelievable. How did you make this? He goes, oh, I harvested them. I'm like, what, what do you mean you harvested them? He's like, from my cats. He's like, they had more niskers than they needed. Now I have, and, but like this stuff, but then he'd go there and he was like, yeah. he had the coolest yeah. whiskers and like all this stuff. And he would, it was a place where this creativity and craftiness 
was celebrated. Um, and mostly, you know, most people were doing this on a budget. Like you would, some guy took a, got a stop sign, probably stole it. I don't know, whatever, and turned it into a shield and like <laughs> scraping yeah. it out, yeah. put and had a, a, this octagonal shield that was also way too heavy because it was like, you know, 16 gauge steel. Like, I don't know if you ever looked yeah. at a stop sign, but it's like, you know, they're not light. Yeah. No, but it was free, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, people were, it was, it was this amazing culture of creativity and, uh, everybody being immersed in the same thing at the same time like mm -hmm. hundreds of people like all in this shared hallucination that you all believe right and it was real because everybody's like believed in it it's like that's crazy man yeah and it made it was interesting it made tabletop less exciting for me for a long time because i was like it's that makes not sense. the scale of like when you're in a a, a wave battle and there's like there's a hundred players out on the field and like yeah just 40 npcs just keep coming 10 lives each just keep coming and you're fighting lizard men for like an hour straight and i think like you don't have that same because that's the thing is combat is real time right it's all happening right. there's no you're not right. waiting for your turn it's all happening like everybody like it's and you're, there's friendly fire people are stabbing you in the back you don't see them coming all the, you know it's just like it's like it's it's bedlam it's war it's yeah yeah and the physicality right you're like you know actually when how many times have you gotten to hit a person with a sword but legally, I can't answer that question. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> see, it, probably not as many as you. Yeah, that's like, yeah. dude, you get to go, you just running around with a two-handed sword. You're living it. as much as you can. You're living it. Oh, it's like it's it's unbelievable, and the creative, the stuff that people come up with, costumes and special effects, and then you know, then and that's just playing. Then you start getting into running these games, and it's like mm -hmm. that. I I ran a bunch of bunch of games for a bunch of time, and it's like. That now you're you're trying to DM for huge scale, like you know, lots of people right. concurrently, and it, but it, it's the same problems you kind of have everywhere. You'd have a limited time, you have limited resources, you don't have enough NPCs, you don't have enough costumes for this, you don't have that. You have like there, you have no budget. It's like so you have to like find creative ways to immerse people and entertain them and entertain a lot of people all at once and challenge them and give them something new that they hadn't seen before and it's like it's yeah you know you can just yeah you can masticon is saying in chat uh they ran nero alliance in oregon for eight years Woo! yeah go so, masticon it's like yeah so that i mean it, it takes like I, I like what you're saying that there are multiple skills whether you're playing like in crafting and building stuff or you're running it there's really kind of an entrepreneurial oh it's every feel to it of it's, like how are we going to make ends meet and make this the best thing possible on a shoestring it made me a uh it made me it, it was training me to be a filmmaker because it was the same, it's same as being on a, a film set, right? You don't have enough mm -hmm. time, your lo location is limited, you don't have enough resources, you don't have whatever, and you have to be thinking on your feet and figuring out, like, how do I, you know, when you're run, running events, so it's the same thing, you know, it's like, okay, I've, yeah, got, sure. I've got 10 NPCs, I've got to entertain these 100 people, we only have two masks, we, you know, how do you, you know, what's a clever way you can do all of this? Yeah. And you've got yeah. to go, the clock is ticking, and you don't want people to get bored and leave. And, Right. And like uh, Mastico was saying, there was so there's all these different chapters too. Like you could go, you could take this when you're playing Nero. There were I don't know, there were 20 chapters. They kept springing up. It started with Mass, and then Ashbury started in New York. So I started playing that, and then there's then one was in Texas, and then it was in Virginia, and then and so you could take your same character and travel to different games. Oh, so you could go yeah. one weekend you'd play in Mass, and then the next weekend 
you could drive out to Pennsylvania and play out there at pro and then you could go and thing. And like, so there was all these different chapters. You could play with the same character and go and, right. and advance in levels and go all these things. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was good times. You know, the other, the other really interesting thing about it was it, um, as a storyteller and a, and a game master or whatever, it really, it, well, Nero was an exception because they had holds, which were just a mess, but it's, you don't, you don't really, you can't control the situation. Like when you're sitting at a tabletop, mm-hmm. you, as a DM, you essentially have complete control over the world. Um, right. And obviously you don't, you can't, you don't know what the players are going to do, but you've, you've got a table of four, six, maybe seven players or something, but it's, you know, there's only so many variables. But you can, you know, you can take a break if somebody needs to go or if there's a thing, or you can look up a rule if you need to, mm-hmm. or you can, you know, tweak the stats or do whatever. When you're LARPing, there's no, like, there's no off button and there's no way to, you know, you can't really, you can't you rapidly. You can't time out. Like, you can't time out. You can't change yeah. the whole world. You can't do that. Like, you know, they're like, it's, you set this thing in motion and it has a life of its own. And you have to kind of, you have to live with not being able to control many many aspects of it particularly what yeah. the players and lots of players and players player on player combat and things are you you put the plot hook out and they you know this one group like grabs it and hides the thing so the rest of the town can't solve the big thing and you don't like mm-hmm. and on tabletop it's relatively easy to fix so you can tweak it and whatever but this is like sure. you know you set things in motion for 100 people and you have to ride out that whole weekend and it's like you're like now what do i do it's they killed the princess on friday night and she was supposed to save the world and now like yeah. What do we do? Well, she's got a sister and then, you know, whatever. So you're, you have, uh, you, you, it's, it's interesting to sort of have storytelling with a lot less control, um, and just sort of have it like have to put stuff out there and, and see how it evolves, uh, rapidly and yeah. improvisationally. Right. Also you have to brief NPCs. Like you don't get to play all your NPCs. You have NPCs out there. So like this guy's playing the count and she's playing the evil goblin queen and then you got you kind of give them their briefing and say hey you want to try and accomplish this you want to do this here's kind of what you need, your talking points and they go yeah. out there you don't know how it's going to go and they they might forget to say that key piece of information or they might forget to tell right. you the thing that they you learned from the players that like you know yeah. you don't know what and it's it's all happening all at the same time and so it's a very like i don't know chaotic it's chaotic creativity kind of in all the right yeah. ways were, were you playing actively before uh, before uh, the apocalypse? Yeah, yeah. We um, we have a uh, we have a, a Dwarven Forge LARP team. We uh, oh, that's awesome. Playing a, a game called Magical, um, which is just fantastic. It's a really really good uh, community of uh, both the players and the staff are amazing. A lot of grizzled old vets who've been playing for yeah. a really long time. So there's there's not a lot of nonsense. There's no PvP, and it's very like. Um, it's a really good game and the guy Rob Chick who runs it has been running games for 30 something years and it's just brilliant oh, very cool yeah it's it's really fun so if you ever uh, if you're in Connecticut post apocalypse and want to throw on some armor and uh, dude fight the forces of I, darkness uh, you know some friendly <laughs> uh, friendly folks in red mantles who uh, and as soon as the forces of darkness are not you know airborne and yeah. trying to kill me uh i will i will be there yeah we have the we have i don't know at one point we had the whole office we shut down the office for a couple of weekends and went and now about i don't know usually six or seven or eight of us from the office mm-hmm. go and play together it's pretty fun uh that's cool it's the best yeah yeah that's awesome man 
Well, dude, this has been so much fun. Um, one, we should definitely do it again. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I can't dude, believe. Thank you. Just for I didn't like realize everything. it's been two hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's my my wife is texting me and making me aware. So yeah, so the my Slack is blowing up too. I gotta yeah, I gotta get the update out tonight and whatnot. Right. Well, let's let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and call it then. Thank you, chat, for um, for hanging out. I appreciate uh, Navaya. Thank you for rating and bringing y'all. Um, always enjoy uh, your streams. And thank you guys for watching the first ever live streamed episode of Roll for Woo! Persuasion. Um, we're booking some other guests to uh, to do more in the future, hoping to maybe do about two of these a month. So big shout out to Nate for being the uh, the test subject and for y'all sticking through audio issues and all the Twitch stuff. So thank you. It's thank been a you lot guys. of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for watching. Thanks for yeah, listening. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. Woo! Big shout out to Chris for helping make this oh, happen. Dude, um, Chris getting is us connected. A, Good dude. He's a champion. And you should see this yeah. the 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 live production he was doing for the game we did last Saturday was like really outrageous. He's running yeah. he's running Vorpa board and OBS, triggering music in battle boards, sound effects in OBS, cutting to cutscenes, punch-ins in OBS, all live, getting a live camera Memory feed from next level. Selena. It was like, yeah. No, he's really uh he's a he's a champ. That's awesome, dude. Well, um, again, thank you guys for joining. We're going to call that a stream. We'll see you next time. Make sure Woo! you uh, support Dorvin Forge's Kickstarter. If you're able to, uh, follow all of us on Twitter and social medias and all that stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll definitely announce what stuff we're doing. we got some cool guests that you will hear about coming up in September. So Ow. very excited to share that with you guys and see everything that Dwarven Forge does on the Kickstarter. Best of luck, Nate. Thank you. All right. We will see you guys later.